The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group Ohio. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. I'm Storm Center 7 meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. We're watching the radar right now. If weather breaks, we break in immediately. Here on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And I'm Dayton's consumer warrior, Clark Howard. You're listening to an Ask the Expert weekend. There is a season. Welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria show, and the show that's all about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. This is the place where we talk about the seasons of your life and strive to provide better understanding and insight in matters of health, caregiving, relationships, lifestyle transitions, and more. No matter what season of life you find yourself in, you know you've got your own set of experiences, challenges, knowledge, and maybe even some wisdom that come from these days. Well, we talk about all of that stuff here with the goal of providing you resources, insights, and inspiration to plan for a fulfilling future for yourself and your loved ones. Yes, just think of this program as a catalyst for planning and acting on the really important stuff in your life. You can enjoy and share a podcast of this program through our website, thereisaseasonshow.com, as well as on Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeart Podcast, and others. Just look for There is a Season and today's date. And of course, we'd love to hear your feedback about this in any There is a Season program. Just drop us a note at Bob and Gloria at There is a Season Show.com. Or when you visit our, visit our site, just fill out our handy form under the In Touch tab. We're very interested in hearing from you today, of course. On today's topic, we've made it really easy to get in touch. Our number in the studio is 457-1290. That's 937-457-1290 from anywhere you happen to be listening. So we'd love to hear from you. So how do you like your protests, Gloria? What? What do you mean? How do you like your protests? Do you like them peaceful? Do you like them violent? Do you like them sort of in between? Do you like them with big crowds, maybe famous speeches, a lot of press coverage? Well, anytime I've had a protest, it's usually been in my kitchen and had to do with (laughs) chores not done. So, you know, that may not be the sample that you're looking for, but I would like some press coverage. (laughs) I can can imagine. Uh, I can assume those weren't necessarily peaceful uh, protests. I'm going to hope they weren't violent. Uh, I don't know if the sharp (laughs) knives were out. But as, as for crowds and speeches, I'm going to assume your best speeches were made one-to-one. And you would be correct. Also going off of personal experience. What? Speeches in the kitchen? Making them or hearing them? No, no, them? no. I mean around you. You know, you have a way with words. Yeah, don't we all? Hey, you've made your share of speeches and long-winded ones. <laughs> on, on, on occasion... On occasion, there's been a long-winded speech. On many occasions. So moving along, how do you like your protests, listener? Whether we remember it or not, whether we realize it or not, we have, in the history of the world, unprecedented freedoms when it comes to speaking our minds. Whether it's in person or through Twitter or Facebook, 
whether it's on TV or on a Hollywood award show or on most of the major streets in America, we can pretty much say whatever we want without the fear someone is going to come along and cart us off. That's true. And our country has a long, long list of major protests and demonstrations that often engaged the energies of thousands of fellow protesters and often drew coverage from local, national, and even international media. Right, Bob? Yes, there's quite a few here. As you look through the the list of top protests in America, uh, just, you know, for the sake of of making this quick, add the word million to anything and and you're good. So you got the you got the uh, Million Man March. You got the um, Million, uh, no, there's one here for moms someplace. I forget. Anti-nuclear marches. You've got uh, the March for Science. You've got the March for Our Lives. You have the, um, uh, what else was down here? Um, there was another one here. Oh, there's the Million Mom. Yeah, March for, these are, these are all big marches, huge demonstrations. And, of course, uh, near here at the top of the list, we've had the Women's March. Yes. Uh, the original. Coming. In 2017. Right, right, which they say here it drew millions. And they're How uh, many millions? Pictures. Uh, they say 3.3 th- uh, 3 to 4.6 million. Yes. That's a lot of people down there in the Washington Mall. So, you know, we, we have this long tradition of packing the mall or other places for public demonstration, right? That's, I suppose, a, a, a one of our major acts that we can undertake here as part of a democracy. And, of course, these are protests and demonstrations that follows some level of planning and execution and the likely expectation of civil order. People have always wanted to be heard. Uh, Of course, there have been countless other forms of demonstration that were better described as civil unrest, which is a nice way to put it, all the way up through riots and anarchy. One need only think of the riots in Los Angeles following the Rodney King incident, or Mm. more recently in Ferguson, Missouri, or Baltimore, Or if you go back a bit to the riots in Chicago in 1968 uh, at the Democratic National Convention or the 1965 riots in Watts and many, many others in this country and others in Europe and uh, in the Arab world. Often peaceful assembly spills over into something else. And other times there's little or no peaceful assembly and the streets come alive with boiled over passions. Yeah. So let's say we step back from some of those more extreme examples of chaos and unrest. How do you like your protest? Does it include a movie star chaining himself to a fence? Well, I haven't done that yet. Oh, Oh, sorry. You're also not a movie star. Sorry. Mm. A man can dream. Yeah. (laughs) If you really want to be chained to a fence, I'm sure we could (laughs) help you accomplish that goal. It's good press coverage. I'll I'll just call your wife. (laughs) (laughs) Honey. (laughs) I'll help her. Does it include thousands occupying public parks for weeks? What about hundreds of students shouting down some speaker they don't like on campus? What do you feel is permissible or prudent, you know, or even effective? For years, there have been large-scale protests, as I mentioned there in that list. Uh, And one that comes to mind for us that's important to us is the March for Life which typically draws tens to hundreds of thousands of people from all over the U.S. and beyond uh, to protest the 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling and the resulting legality and practice of abortion in this country. Cynics would say that little has changed on the national scale, abortion still being the law of the land and all that. But optimists point to changes in state laws and the continued decline in abortions in this country as evidence that the march, 
and myriad other local, state, and national efforts are changing the story one heart at a time. Now, that is a march known for perseverance and its participants from year to year for its level of frank communication, Mm -hmm. both through speakers, literature, social media, and web communication, and through all kinds of grassroots education, right? Yeah. So it is not generally known as an event one would describe as violent or even spectacular. Often many news organizations actually give it scant coverage. So do you think it's effective? Does it have the right vibe in this day and age of shock news and spontaneous demonstration and confrontation? You mean, what do you think? Well, kind of like uh, like the Antifa uh, protest, right? What Portland is a city, Seattle. These are places out west that that have typically had uh, you know big crowds and so forth that suddenly erupt yeah. and there's chaos and you know we've got patriot groups over on this side and you got Antifa on this side. Um, and, and of course they explode and the news loves that stuff. Yeah. So that's, um, <clears throat> those would be of a different type. I think it's safe to say with believers feeling that violence and intimidation and anonymity are what's effective. Right. The, uh, which, which I suppose helps to drive the, um, drive the tonality of any of these protests. If you can be anonymous, right. Uh, if you can uh, put something over your face and so forth, you can get away with all kinds of uh, atrocities. We have a history of that in this country with the KKK, uh, where, where it's fine to hide behind some veil and act out your uh, your beliefs, whether you call it your faith or your religion or whatever it happens to be. But you're not having to account for it publicly. You're not having to show your face out there for everybody to see, for the news media to be able to pick these um, pictures up of you doing some terrible thing. Right. Um, I think the you know the the extremes that we've had here, um, whether they originate in social media or social media reflects them back because of something that went on, uh, they're out there now. Everybody feels like they've got some kind of an agenda, and if they're angry about it, they can just vent their spleen. And the media picks up on this stuff, and um, you know they they try to foster it more. And eventually, a group will come out, and you got you got gasoline on the fire. You know, you got mm-hmm. all these people out there really angry. Uh, but you have to wonder what the what is the aim, really, of all of that? Um, there's no debate in the public square, right? Right. Uh, at least at maybe some of the organized presentations, you, you have some you speeches. You have a few speeches. And, and whatever. And I'm not saying you've never had a speech at one of these other protests, but it, it makes us wonder in general, what are the components? What are the ingredients that go into protests? What are people looking to get out of that? If there's, uh, if there's no deliberative process that flows after having had a protest— um, if you've simply raised some awareness and gotten press coverage, is that enough? Does it change hearts and minds? Uh, there's this, you know, attempt in some of these cases to terrify the populace and to achieve what exactly? Right. Which leads us to another form of protest, not entirely new, but in a way perhaps disturbingly trendsetting. And well, that is what, Bob? <laughs> well, we'll have to. We're, we're going to wait on that. Let's just say that that's, uh, that's in the theatrical realm or maybe something like performance art or something perhaps even anatomical. <clears throat> we'll talk about all those aspects when we continue, plus the psychology of protests. But what we'd first like to know from you today, if you're listening, is have you ever been part of a major protest? If so, what was remarkable about it? Good, bad, ridiculous. What did it achieve? Four five seven twelve ninety. There's a line open for you to share today. Four five seven twelve ninety. When we return. 
You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan, 457-1290, if you'd like to hop on board today. So today we're we're talking about protest. Have you ever been a part of a protest? And if so, we'd love for you to call us and tell us what your experience was, what was remarkable about it. Was it a good experience, a bad experience? And what did it achieve or what purpose did it have? Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, whatever the intent and the outcomes are can sometimes be very disparate. And we are sort of drawing a distinction here between riots that just kind of, you know, just spill, just spill out, out into, for yeah. whatever reason. Right. And, they, and a lot of times people hop on board and you got looting going on and, and violence on innocent right. people and so forth. Not talking so much about that as, as more of the structured Organized. kind of uh, right. protest that the country has seen. And I went through a list of them. Right. And we went to the break talking about, you know, obviously different ways that we protest things in this country. And one such protest was the Women's March of 2017. And right. The, boy, the original. that was a... Why don't you tell us, Bob, yes. about what that Here, all encompassed? Here's a quick description of that. That was the, if you've forgotten somehow, it was a worldwide protest, worldwide, following the inauguration of President Trump. Um, there were a lot of uh, statements and so forth. And we'll talk about that in a moment, things that he said and so forth. But the goal of the annual march is to advocate, I hope you're writing this down. There's not just one, Advocate right, <laughs> legislation and policies regarding human rights and other issues, including women's rights, immigration reform, health care reform, reproductive rights, the environment, LGBTQ rights, racial equality, freedom of religion, workers' rights, and tolerance. Did I leave anything out? No, I think that. Well, actually, you probably did. I probably did. There's, There's probably more that yeah. one yeah. has decided that it, we need it, to. This was certainly the mother of all. Oh, I'm sorry, it was a, a huge march. march. It was huge. The mother of all the marches. The largest in all history. But not the mom march. It's a different mother of all. Mar- never mind. Never yeah, mind. I had never heard of the mom march until just obviously quite recently, like in the last day or two. Right, or the science march or whatever. And now the National Park Service is not keeping tallies on this because some people are inflating or feel, other people are feeling they're underreported and so forth. But this was worldwide, so all quarters of the world on just about every issue that anybody's ever been unhappy about. Right, right. Yes. Well, there's only really one thing that I remember about the Women's March of 2017. Was it one of the things that I mentioned on this long list here of immigration Not reform, health care? specifically, no. really, but there was something that definitely stood out, and that would have been the um, the attire that was worn on the, the women's heads. Uh, a, I, a ring of, of, of flowers, perhaps, was this? A wreath, no, maybe? Were, no? Pink. Pink. Uh, well, and, what was in season down there? Don't they have the... <laughs> So I, I couldn't believe it really, but um, You're talking it was a that. response to something that President Trump had said, some type of derogatory comment. And so women chose to wear these hats that represented a female organ. Just the pussy hats, right? They, you said it. Right. I, I chose not to right. say it on the air. Yeah, well, but, you know, they and were big sellers. They were big they sellers. They were huge sellers. They even had Christmas ornaments that year 
that were miniature in size of the same thing. So, so basically everything that, well, I was going to say any young man ever tried to learn through National Geographic, all they had to do was watch that protest and they would have learned everything. Yeah. Now, you know? I, I personally, after seeing those hats, I wasn't really, really thinking that they, well, forget it, what they really looked like. But anyway, but he, he, they were a sign for some women apparently, of unity, to come together as women. Be, right. I mean, if had there been another organ up there, it wouldn't have been a, a sign for women to be united. It would have been a sign of male patriarchy, probably. That's right. Know, right. So, but people were not happy. as a result. Well, I mean, you know. many people were happy. They loved their hats. Right. However, there were some that felt that they um, weren't represented, um, either because of a different sexual identity yeah, yeah. A, a trans woman identity. Right, right. Or um, that the choice of color for the hats was inappropriate for certain certain races. So that races, was pretty right. much dropped for the March the following year, although some still partook and brought the hats back out. Well, you know, they're collector's items when you think about it. Just, I mean, but that's really the only thing that stood out can, to you me. You can that's share all that I can... with your kids and your grandkids years from now. I wore one of these. Well, actually, people do that now. They put it out on Facebook. You know, here's my photo it's of me at the It's interesting, yes, so what forth. people put out on Facebook that they partook in. I, I just don't, it was the only thing that I really gleaned from it. It, it took over for me. It just did. I'm sorry. It didn't do much. So all these other things, uh, human rights and, and immigration reform, healthcare reform, reproductive rights, environment, uh, LGBTQ rights, racial equality, that really kind of just flew by you. Yeah. I guess. If the hats hadn't been worn, I might have tuned in a little bit. Wow. Well, researchers have studied the whole idea of protest, public protests, and the methods and objectives and outcomes realized by protesters. And there's a certain psychology psychology to protesting. We're going to share that here after the break. There's plenty more ahead. But what do you think so far? Have you been a protester before? Did you wear a hat? Are things like these hats and other props and costumes merely promotion? Like something practically from the circus or vaudeville days designed to shock but relatively harmless? Or have we reached a cultural low that actually works against the goals of things like the Women's March? What about other forms of protest? What do you think is reasonable? What do you think is effective? Join us for the conversation today, 457-1290. You are listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season with Bob and Gloria, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan, and my cough drop was stuck to my research. <laughs> You've had a rough time over there. We've got <laughs> issues with your hair. No, issues with it was the stuck in the drop. headphones. I, I know. I just, high maintenance. We're going to have to have Today, your I'm own assistant in here. Out of it. Primping you. Earlier, you know. the cough drop was stuck to the roof of my mouth, and then I was lisping. I don't know if anybody heard that in the first opening segment, but so I put my cough drop on my paper, and now it's stuck to the paper right in the middle of part of my research. And it's okay. We got Bob's the whole, making fun of me. We got me. the whole morning. We got hours. Just, just, <laughs> just tell us all your issues. <laughs> Sorry. But I'm Gloria Shanahan, 457-1290, to join the conversation. That's 937-457-1290. And we would love to hear from you today. Especially, We're talking protests. Especially if you've got tips about hair no, and, and cough drops. No, it was stuck in whatnot. my headphones. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, we're talking about protests, and we've um, we've got a lot more on that uh, today. So if you do want to weigh in, did you go to a protest yourself? you ever been to one? 
Uh, what did you think was remarkable about remarkable about it? And um, do some of the things we've seen here and so far, some of the the stuff that pick that they pick up in the news, were those effective? Did they simply raise awareness or do they turn people away? Uh, we'd love to have your opinion on that uh, as we talk through this whole thing. So four five seven twelve ninety. Now uh, we we were talking a little bit about the psychology of an effective protest. And there have been some articles written on this, and one was written for The Atlantic in 2017, uh, shortly after the the first of the worldwide women's marches for all things, uh, including body parts. And, um, you know, the protests obviously range from things as large as that to things on the street corner, and then somewhere in between you have a lot of these protests that occur at college campuses where suddenly, you know, they find someone's on the speaker's agenda coming to such and such hall and 500 kids show up and they start shutting the place down and screaming and banging on doors and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and it doesn't and, cost the taxpayers any money, these protests. Right. And, and no the, money. The police it's, very often. They do it for free. They come in on their day off. Well, <laughs> I was going to say some of the police don't do anything or, or the security on the campus yeah. don't do anything. No, kind of let it just unfold. Well, the uh, the question is, you know, if you look at a continuum here, um, some protests are nonviolent. Some wear, uh, you know, have people wearing funny hats. Uh, but other protests involve things like throwing smoke bombs or knocking down barriers or setting fires or starting fights and all the all this kind of stuff. If there's this continuum and so forth, what's what's okay and what's not okay in terms of protest? Yeah. So these. Um, splashier protests do draw a lot of media coverage, research shows, because of journalists. They have this appetite for anything novel or unusual. Makes news, right? Mm -hmm. But several news studies on the psychology behind protests show that, perversely, extreme protests like that, that were at, say, Berkeley, where the smoke bombs were going, the barriers were being knocked down, will actually undermine activists' overarching goal of attracting more people to their movement. And what's worse, they don't realize that they are hoisting themselves with their own smoke bombs. That's what researchers are saying. Are yeah, saying. yeah. The um, <clears throat> there's a study that was undertaken because um, we've had a lot of stuff going on for quite a while now. But but this uh, study, which is still being reviewed, authors examine what happened with three different types of protesters: animal rights, you know, PETA and others, and uh, Greenpeace and so forth that have been around for decades. Uh, Black Lives Matter. We mentioned Ferguson in the opening here, and that kind of grew out of that whole situation. Mm -hmm. And an awful lot of anti-Trump protests. And these researchers examined whether the use of moderate or extreme protest tactics made a difference. Right. A prototypical extreme protest is something where vandalism occurs or violence is threatened or protesters behave in a violent way. Or an interstate gets shut down or something like that, says Rob Willer, a Stanford University sociologist and co-author of the study. The Women's March, Willer says, is a prototype of a moderate protest with a certain fare for uh, uh, pink for flash uh, fashion is what I'm trying to say. Um, (laughs) One without hateful rhetoric or violence. Well, according to Willer, he says that I'm not so sure I'd agree with all of that that he said, but. Uh, it was fairly Somewhere peaceful. in the continuum, peaceful as far as yeah, know, yeah. fires and things. So first, the researchers found that the study's participants identified less with and were less willing to support a fictional group of animal rights protesters who broke into an animal testing facility than with those who marched peacefully. Then, both African American and white participants felt more support toward Black Lives Matter protesters 
if they read that the protesters chanted anti-racist slogans than if they encouraged violence against police officers. Now, finally, and perhaps most topically, the researchers showed people a video of a moderate anti-Trump protest in which protesters held signs and chanted, as well as a news report about an extreme protest in which protesters caused a traffic jam and blocked Trump supporters from reaching a Trump rally. People shown the extreme anti-Trump protest actually supported Trump more, an effect that occurred to varying degrees among liberals and conservatives alike. That's interesting, interesting. To, to ponder that. You wonder if, no matter where you are in the political spectrum, you, you, that people have a certain sense or a certain norm for decency um, or public behavior where they say this is allowable or, or, or and the re- certain things are not allowable. Uh, we we do cherish in this country law and order, right? If we lived in an environment where there was con- continual chaos, we would hold our civic leaders to account. If people were constantly having fires in the streets and and you know random roving mobs and, and violent activity, look what's happening with all the upset that's going on in New York with the uh, anti-Semitic behavior right. there, and so forth. people get outraged at this kind of stuff. And so I wonder if when people see some of that related to a protest if it turns them off or if they say, yeah, that's the only way to get things done today. Yeah. You know, whether you think it's absurd or just, yeah. I know for my own self, the the women's March, I was turned off by the hats. I I stopped listening because I just thought now if anybody's going to wear that thing on their head, I can't have a conversation with them. I can't really listen. It is a distraction. And for me, just, I'm like, so to the point of absurdity. Mature basically. women were, right. I, to me right. it was. And that's just my own personal thing. I stopped listening to the message that they were asking us We've to had to. any number of, of presidents, uh, you know, hoisted up on, uh, or, or, or what am I looking for? Burn, things burned in effigy. You know, you've seen a, a, a model or a statue. There right. was a recent one here about it happened in Europe where they burned down some big thing of Trump and so it, forth. So, so people feel like ridiculous. they can vent their spleen that way. But I wonder if even people who are not fans of the president or fans of going to war or fans of whatever the policy might be, do they look at that and say, whoa, you know. That's that's I mean, a little too much even right, for me. And, right. and I'm going to tune you out now because you've crossed the line. Right. Well, over and over, the researchers we talked about here found the reason the extreme protesters were dissuasive is that less radical bystanders couldn't identify with them. Mm-hmm. People generally don't see themselves as disruptors of the social order, even for causes they believe in. Ultimately, our belief in something is surpassed by our desire to conform. And that's kind of an interesting word to say, to conform. But we, you know, it sort of speaks of some social mores that we mm-hmm. tend to agree with. Right. When the social order is being greatly disrupted, when property is being destroyed, when there's some risk of harm to people, that leads to a disidentification effect where people say, I'm just not like those people, right? So the problem, the researchers say, is that the extreme protesters didn't really realize that this would or this happens. So when uh, Willer, this author, surveyed people about the causes that they believe in and what they would be willing to do for their cause, the truest believers were willing to go to the most extreme lengths, and they genuinely thought that the tactics would help gin up some support. And I think that's key here. And if, if we go back to some of the shows we've talked about with social media, it almost seems as if, um, well, like, like, go back, I don't know if you remember this in school when they were talking about the muckraking reporters way back in the, 
the last century and so forth. Newspapers would have these salacious headlines and and it was all about selling papers, you know. So you couldn't just have, you know, president says blah, 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 policy, people protest. You had to have some scandal. You had to have some big thing up there. Um, where we are nowadays. And a lot of people will say that some of our, our less uh, journalistic magazines that are, in, you know, or, or uh, newspapers in the store have some of those uh, big headlines about you who was born like out of wedlock. National Enquirer so, yeah, and things stuff like, like that. that, right? Tabloids. But that line, I think, has become blurred, right? We've had mm-hmm. what the president calls fake news, but you've had a lot of sensationalism because everybody has this license to just say whatever they want. Uh, sometimes they can say it from a dark room sitting in their underwear, click, 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 right. click. And there's no editing on that. There's no. Other than to tune yourself out and say, I'm just not going to be a part of it. But it's all about being as extreme as you can. Right. And you can't just tune out anymore. It comes upon you. You may be online doing something else and these these things come through your feeds. It just fires people up. Even even some of the some of the news sources that you might trust, uh, you know, uh, I found this even recently with uh, things like Fox News and their website. You know, the top several stories and so forth. I'm like, okay, that's news. That's news. That's news. What do I care about somebody wearing a bikini? Why is that the fourth thing on here? You know, on a national news uh, website because it's getting clicks. It's it's to draw men. Yeah, just this week, you know, Kelly and Ryan Seagraves, right? Yeah, Yeah. Okay. So he fell out of his chair on the taping or at one of the shows. They had like 1.2 million views or something. It made Fox News, Bob. <laughs> they even were like, that's news. They were right. even shocked by that. But yeah. that's our news so, nowadays, right? And, that, and that's that's a whole wider conversation about yeah. you know what makes up the stuff we consume. But in this area of protest and disagreement, it just it does seem like the more extreme um, something is people will find that better. But the research points the other direction. It can be really difficult to take the perspective of a bystander who has not yet joined a movement when you're interacting mostly with other activists, according to Willer, who's the author of this study. So, you know, people who are basically in the trenches, the true believers and so forth, tend to not look up and see the people on the margins and provide a pathway to invite them to the protest. They stand back going, what are you doing? Right. You know. Yeah, they're asking things like, am I like them? And can I even see this issue the way they're seeing it? Right? Right, right. So, I mean, uh, I'll give you a good example. There's, Trump is enormously popular in a lot of places, and he's enormously unpopular in a lot of places. But I would also say there's a fair portion of the population out there that might say, you know, I don't like certain personal things he's said or done, or sometimes his style's a little abrasive, and, and I'd find that kind of guy a little uncomfortable to be around, say, for dinner. You know, I mean, there are right. probably people who would say that. Right. And yet they'd say, well, wait a minute. What kind of a purity test am I having for my president? What Do I need this person to walk on water? Do I need them to be perfectly humble and so forth? Part of what made Trump successful was his tipping over the apple cart. Right. You know? And so some of us have, who, who might like him would wince at some of his behavior, but by and large agree it, with a lot of the policies. And that's so true. I once had a, a physician say to me about a, a, a specialist that I was taking one of my children to, warning me about bedside manner, this the, an, an arrogance of a certain doctor we Mm -hmm. saw and she said to me gloria you don't have to have him for dinner he's taking a look at you know such and such with your son and that's what's important right but he's not somebody you're kind of having to dinner so just focus on what's 
important to, to you right and, so you, you know, know so we all you don't have to be the buddy with the president yeah, or know, the pope you, or any number of other leaders right, you don't or, have to you agree know. with how he carries himself sometimes but is he getting the job done yeah so the, the the findings of this particular study that we're talking about echo the results of another study that had been done uh, by princeton university's omar wasso wasso which found that nonviolent civil rights protests in the 60s boosted votes among whites for Democratic candidates who supported civil rights, while violent protests increased support for Republicans, which might have tipped the 1968 election for Richard Nixon. That's an interesting theory. But in other words, there's the, the, the idea of a nonviolent, passionate protest, certainly uh, measured by numbers and intensity that way, seems to appeal to a broad spectrum of voters out there, whereas when it gets violent, people start to say, wait a minute, we need some law and order back in the scene. Right. He says nonviolence conveys moderation, and when things escalate to violence, that signals a radical or extreme movement, makes the claims of the group less legitimate. So he asks, what's the best way to protest for maximum influence? And one of his friends said, the more conservative protests are, the more radical they are. Be orderly, polite, and visibly patriotic. The goal is to gain allies among people who would not normally agree with you. So it's borne out in the research, but what do you think? There's still time for you to get in on that conversation. Four, five, seven, twelve, ninety. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the topic today, point you towards some resources uh, that you can read if you'd like to study up on this a little bit more. Plus, take a peek at what's coming up next on There is a Season. Stay with us. You are listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's news and talk. There's a season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. And coming up here in the next several weeks, we've got some great shows for you. We're going to be talking about how to choose a retirement community. It's on a lot of people's minds, and there's quite a few questions you can ask depending on the kind of community. Also, careers later in life, we're going to revisit that topic and also talk about the role of suffering in life. A lot of people run from it naturally, but there is an important role that that plays as part of a life. We've been talking about protests today, and we do have a caller here. We were beginning to think that nobody wanted to admit they'd been in a protest or had anything to say about it, but we're going to welcome Barbara here to weigh in on today's topic. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Thanks for waiting. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for allowing me to make a comment. Oh, fire away. (laughs) Um, I would say, speaking of the social order, it is destroyed by those who don on their head what they did, if you get my drift. Mm -hmm. I would say damage to children, seeing that is indeed damage. And I would also say many Americans that I know, and I know a pretty large circle, We're unspeakably disgusted over a display that should never have even been allowed. And so, yeah, the more conservative approach is, I think, uh, you're on you're on it. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. In some ways, I mean, people would say, can it be allowed? Is it an element of free speech and so forth? Had any woman out there dropped her pants to show the real article, she would have been arrested. But she yeah. can put it on her head and, and it suddenly becomes something funny we as part of a costume. Limits. We right. push the limits. We push the limits. And we just needed that hat to invoke other images, which were totally inappropriate. Yeah, uh, yeah my word is abominable. 
And yet, they'll <laughs> you see, a lot of people will argue and they'll say, well, look, you guys are talking about it. It did exactly what we wanted it to do. No, you know? no, not out here in the real world. That's right. <laughs> so do you think the scandal that uh, kids take from that is also the loss of privacy and modesty and age-appropriate uh, oh, absolutely. knowledge of, of that? Is, everything's going the wrong way. Yeah, it's terrible. So do you think that worked against uh, the aims? And, of course, the aims were broad. I read them in the beginning of the, the show, how many different things they were hoping to achieve. Do you think that that undermined it, wearing that? Yeah, good point. I absolutely feel that they just they just trashed themselves. <laughs> it was a total distraction to exactly. whatever uh, issues they wanted to, uh, you know, raise awareness to. Precisely. It, yeah. yeah. Out in the real world, yes. Yep. <laughs> All right, Barbara, I Thanks appreciate you in. hanging in there and joining us today. Thank you. Yeah. You have Bye-bye. a great weekend. Bye-bye. Take care. If you've got some thoughts, we'd love to hear them from you. So uh, send us a note at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. You can also check out a copy of this or a podcast here a couple days after this live show. You'll be able to pick this up and share it with other people you know uh, around the world. Um, the site's got all kinds of good stuff, and we're adding to it every day. We're changing also how you're going to be able to access certain kinds of shows. There's still a contact form, right? Yeah. Just go to thereisaseasonshow.com. It's dot, really easy. Dot com, and uh, right. you'll see a lot of good stuff up there. And uh, as we said, we're going to be building out more and more content for you so you can have a lot of these conversations after we go off the air. And that's going to do it for us today. Remember, dear friend, seek grace in every step and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. We're here for each other, and we're here for you. For my dear friend and co-host, Gloria Shanahan, our producers, and everyone who makes the show possible, I want to thank you for your time, attention, and interest to what we do here. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to There is a Season on 1290 at 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.